pastors in his life recently. He shared about it a few weeks ago, but you know, his daughter and son-in-law, uh, Kyle and Michael Lynn, they just had a daughter named Philson Jane, and she's here. She's a few weeks old, and it is wonderful. If you talk to Lance and Polly, you'll see that in their eyes that they have like so much love for that baby, but also like that faint recognition of, oh yeah, that's right. This is what it feels like to not sleep anymore. <laughs> so they're having a wonderful time with that. But also, um, about one day before Filson was born, Pastor Lance's friend, best friend from high school, um, and all through his adult years, he passed away. And so within that 24-hour period, kind of the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And some of you have um, had those moments in your life where you are at the top and the bottom at the same time, and it is a tender place to be, isn't it? It's when you're talking to Lance and Polly, they say, but God is so good, but he's just so real right now. He's not, he's not like this concept. He is real and here, and he is bigger than us. And he is the one in control, and we are not. And so this weekend, they, um, Pastor Lance was able to lead the memorial service for his friend. And so as a staff, we asked that he take some time to be with family, to be with those close friends, and to just breathe. And so can we pray for them this morning? Lord, we love you. God, we acknowledge that you are bigger than we are. God, we acknowledge who you are and who we are in light of you. We love you, God. We pray for Lance and Polly as their home right now. Lord God, would you be their ever-present help? Lord God, would you be their comforter, their counselor, all the things that you said that you would be? We love you, God, and we pray that you would protect them from any schemes of the enemy in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. For those of you Grinches that told me I could not celebrate Christmas until December, at least we're all on the same page now, right? <laughs> I'm a firm believer that you have to earn your Christmas. And so I do all of my Christmas shopping in September and October, so you better believe at my house I'm listening to Christmas music before Halloween. I am about it because I earned it. And so for the rest of you, welcome to the party. We're all here now. And we're celebrating Christmas together. You know, there's something about Christmas that it gives us kind of our greatest moments and our most chaotic moments all at once, doesn't it? It's like sometimes the chaos will go on and on, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, this beautiful moment. And then sometimes it starts out as a beautiful moment, and all of a sudden it becomes chaos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it divulges all of a sudden. Earlier this week, I had one of those moments where it started out as the perfect Christmas moment, and that thing led a chain reaction into the worst morning of my life this week. If you're dramatic like me, then it, you have a worst moment of your life this week. So that's what happened. This last Monday night, my family and I, we went to go see Fantasy Lights in Spanaway. Have you guys gone to those? They are so beautiful. And we like to go with a, um, some really close family friends of ours. They have kids exactly the same age as us, three and one. And so we all piled into my minivan. I have a minivan, by the way. It is incredible. There is no shame in my game. I love my minivan. So we all piled into my minivan, and we had to like move the car seats around and put the car seats in the back so that we could all fit. And it was so wonderful. If you've seen a three-year-old and two three-year-olds we had in the car just see these Christmas lights, it was like, Mom, look, it's Santa, he's here. And I'm like, yeah, totally. He loved it. He, it was so fun, and it led to this kind of late night. So when we drove home, my son-in-law fell asleep on the way home, and he was wearing his big rain boots, and they dropped off of his feet while he slept. Little did I know how that would affect me the next day. So we pick him up, leave his boots in the car, 
and uh, put him into bed just, you know, right there that night. Now, the next morning, this is Tuesday morning. I don't know if you remember, but it was raining hard, like super, super hard. And we were coming here to the church and getting a three-year-old and a one-year-old ready to get out the door is an endeavor. So I was ready to go. And then I realized his boots are in the car and it's raining, but it's raining so hard. I don't want to go down there and get them because I'm going to get all wet. We'll just make it an adventure. So I was like, law, what do you think about walking outside in the rain with no shoes on? And he was like, yes. And I was thinking I'm, you know, a great mom. So we're getting ready to go. And I like, you know how it is. It's like, I have my one-year-old. I've got all my stuff. I kind of put my head down and I start running down, not running, but basically, you know, really fast down to the van. And if you've been to my house, we have like 17 stairs up to our house. So this is a big moment. And I get down there and the door's open and I realize that the car seats are in the back. And I was like, ugh. So I have to like climb over stuff to put my daughter in. And then I realize law's not there. And so I look up at our porch, and of course, he's crying on the front porch because his feet got wet. I was like, ugh. So then now, this one trip down is not one trip, so I grab his boots, I run back up, I put him on his feet, and then I'm like, okay, we gotta get back down. Like, we gotta go as fast as possible. And so, and then, naturally, my son is, like, slowly but surely walking through the rain. I'm getting wet. Like, I'm getting very, very wet. And I get him into his side of the car seat, and in this, like, five-minute period, a small tiny puddle has now, next to the van, has now expanded into like a swamp. So I'm standing in the swamp and I happen to be wearing these slip-on shoes, which was not very smart. I'm wearing these slip-on shoes that are now shovels of just putting water straight down into my toes. It's like I put my heel up and they just soak back down. And so at this point, I'm frenzied, right? I'm like buckling him in, gotta go fast. And I finally step out of the van and I look and I realize my front door is open. So I have to go back up close the door, get down into the van. As I'm drying, I, I, have curly, I have curly hair. Does anybody else here have curly hair? I straighten it a lot. So you know that at this point, my hair was no longer curly anymore. Or it was no longer straight anymore. It's curly, and it's like becoming a Christmas tree around my face, like slowly but surely. And as I'm driving, all I can say is, I hate the fantasy lights. Look what they did to me. I was, it was an incredible chain reaction that led to me having to, you know, of course, repent to the Lord for all of my, you know, horrible feelings about the drivers in front of me. You know, it's just that, it's that chain reaction. Christmas brings about those moments sometimes, doesn't it? We take a moment usually within Christmas and we'll say, okay, stop all of the craziness, stop the chaos, let's remember the reason for the season, let's remember why we do this. It's because Jesus came to earth. It's because Jesus came as a baby to be the savior of the world. And we know the story so well. We know about Mary and Joseph and the inn and the stable. And we know the Christmas carols that kind of put some of those songs in our hearts. And these are wonderful things and wonderful moments. But sometimes those moments become fragmented, don't they? We kind of try to figure out how they all fit together. It's like, wait, how does this work? And there are times when we treat the birth of Jesus like the beginning of the story or like the end of the story. But do you know, church, it's neither one of those. It's the middle. Jesus being born is the middle in a chain reaction of the relationship between God and humans. And if we're going to understand the significance of Christmas and how it changed everything, we're starting a series today called This Changes Everything. If we understand how this changed everything, we have to know how Jesus fits in the middle of this timeline, of this chain reaction. Can we pray again? 
I like praying. Praying is a good thing. Let's do it one more time. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here, God. Lord, your word is sure. Your word is true. And this morning, as we look at who you are, what you've done for us, and where we are in relationship with you, God, I pray that there would be revelation, God, that there would be joy within our hearts. Lord, I pray for conviction to happen this morning when we see you and what you've done, not condemnation, but conviction, that we would run to you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, there's so much, Christmas kind of gets a bad rap sometimes because it can get so off the beaten path of what it was originally intended to do and to be about. But there's something about Christmas that I love the most, and I think it really reflects the heart of God. You know, that perfect picture of Christmas that we're all supposed to try to attain, that's all of the family together in one room, by the fire, laughing, playing games, eating good food, telling stories, kind of this extended time of just perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with God, because really you should be coming together to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It feels so unattainable because it really is. But do you know that God created Eden, the Garden of Eden, to kind of be like that? I think it's kind of a picture of the way that God intended humanity to always be. Perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with him. I believe that in human history, we can look at God's relationship with people and break it up into five segments. We're going to talk about those five segments now. The first one being before sin, the Garden of Eden. The way God intended for people to be was in perfect relationship with each other, in perfect relationship with him. He never wanted us to need a savior. He never wanted to have to send Jesus to the earth. He just wanted us to have relationship with Jesus right where we were. And he said, the way that this can continue is if you stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But of course, we sinned. We strayed away, and the serpent, who was Satan, deceived us, and we engaged in that original sin. Now, all of us since have sinned. We continue to sin. All of that's the human condition. And in that moment, from the first moment of sin, God said, I'm going to send a savior. I'm not going to let this sit because I love my plan so much. I love the beauty of perfect relationship so much that I'm going to find a way to make it happen again. You know, Jesus was not just born as a baby. Did you know that? Sometimes we think of Jesus as being created as God's son here on earth, but that's not how it is. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed together in, uh, in coexistence for all of eternity. We know that because in Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God is speaking about himself, us, as the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When he created man, he said, We're gonna, I'm going to make them in our image. And when the sin entered the world... God came down and met with man and then also the serpent, and he spoke to the serpent, and he spoke about what Jesus would do. He's speaking to the serpent, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. And when he says he will crush your head, he's talking about Jesus. He says, Satan, Jesus will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. From the very first moment, God promised a savior to come into this world to save us from our sins so that we could have restored relationship with God. Did you know that's how much God loves you? He didn't make up a plan halfway through. He had a plan from the beginning. He knew what he would do. 
But in that moment, it changed, the, the relationship with God and humans changed, and that first phase was over, and it switched over into the next phase, the second phase, which would be creation's longing for a Savior to come, waiting, looking, searching. Something fundamentally changed in the, in the DNA of humans and that we became restless people. How many of you guys know that humans are restless? We are never satisfied. I, many of you know, I've spoken about this before. I have not always been an animal lover. I have animals now, and I love them. I may not love your animals, but I love my animals. And something that I love watching in my animals is that they are content. They're not as complicated as we are. It's like, I want food, I had food, now I'm gonna sleep for six hours. They're fine. They're totally fine. Humans aren't like that. We wake up and we're like, okay, I'm hungry, and now I'm bored, and now I'm annoyed, and now I need more stuff. And we just always have something that we need constantly. When in reality, we can sit back and say, I don't need everything that I have, do I? Christmas is such a representation of that. One thing after another after another. When I take my son Law through Target, I have him repeat after me while we walk through the toy section, I have enough. He's like, I have enough. And I was like, at home, we already have enough. And he says, I already have enough. And almost every time he'll look at me and say, but mom, I don't have enough. And I'll say, me either, bud. That's just, that's just how people are. But that's not God's original intent for us. God's original intent for us was to be at perfect peace with him, perfect contentment. Do you know that when sin entered the world, the thing that changed was that we then had anxiety. We then had worry. We were always looking for something to satisfy us because we had disconnection with God. And so all of the earth was looking for someone to save them. We see in scripture that Israel was crying out, God, do you see our pain? Send the Messiah, send the Savior. And God would speak back and he would say, I'm sending him. He's coming. I will save you from your sins. I will save you from your wicked ways. God would speak back and say, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to be born in Bethlehem. The government's going to be on his shoulders. God would speak back these, these prophecies, these words that couldn't have been known, these things that couldn't have been known ahead of time to assure his people, I'm sending a savior. I'm sending my son. An interesting thing happened in all of, in all of Israel was that the closer that it got to Jesus being born, the more they knew he was coming. There was kind of this tension in the air, this kind of chaos. We know from history that many people claimed to be the Messiah before Jesus came, and they were false prophets. But they said, I'm him, and people would look and say, oh, is it really him? No, it's not him. Okay, move on to the next person. When Jesus came, there was this longing in all of creation, looking for someone to save them from their sins. It's interesting because we know that Israel, how did Israel know that Jesus was coming? Because of the promises that were in scripture, because of the signs in the sky, remember, there was a star in the sky. King Herod knew that Jesus was born when he was born, didn't he? Because there was a sign in the sky, the magi, the wise men came from across the earth to find this king because they saw the signs in the sky. And then there was also the testimonies in their hearts. There were people, there's, there's scriptures that speak of the people of Israel who knew that Jesus was coming because the Holy Spirit had said to them, you won't die until the Messiah comes. People were looking for him all the time. I just imagine that there was this tension in the air. You walked outside and it just felt like a little bit of chaos. Everything was a little bit unsettled. 
But then, of course, the angel came to Mary. We're in Luke chapter 1. And the angel says to Mary, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. By the way, why was Mary greatly troubled? I don't really know. He said, the Lord's with you. And she's like, oh, I'm so confused. Mary's greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, called the Son of God. Jesus was coming, and in that moment, Mary knew that she was a part of the story. Why God chose to bring Jesus the way he did, I don't really know. I think it's interesting because for whatever reason, God wanted Jesus to come as a baby. He wanted him to come through Mary. He wanted Joseph to be his stepdad. I'm not sure why. Sometimes I wonder because I think Jesus literally could have walked out of the woods. Like God could have teleported down and just walked out of the woods, fully grown, just ready to go. But he chose not to do that. He chose to take on all of our humanity. Every single moment of our humanity putting God in the hands of people, trusting his only son to people. Last night, my daughter, she's cutting three molars right now. She cried for a total of four hours last night. And I kept thinking in my like, you know, tiredness, getting up and checking on her and going back down, back and forth and back and forth. Like, Jesus probably cried at some point. We know he didn't cry when he was born, but can you imagine, I mean, just like, I just think about, Oakley, my daughter, who's one, just the tenderness of who she is. God loved people so much that he became a person and put himself in the hands of us. That's a crazy thought. But before that happened, Jesus had to be born. Jesus had to be born. And I think about the chaos of that time. I think about the chaos of that world with Rome, you know, uh, conquering Israel and being in Jerusalem. All of this, all of this crazy stuff that was happening. And I just imagine the longing and the anticipation of Jesus' arrival, building and building and building. And then I think a little bit about the chaos of birth, because let's be real, it's a little bit chaotic. And I remember when my babies were born, that all of the chaos led to this incredible moment of stillness. That as my babies were on my chest and I just saw them breathe for the first time. Can you imagine Jesus breathing for the first time? Can you imagine the longing and the looking and the anxieties of the world waiting for a Savior to come? And then here he comes and he's here. I just imagine that something shifted in the atmosphere. I just imagine that all of creation took a breath. Maybe we didn't know what it was for. But the one who was promised, the Messiah was here on earth now. It's so incredible. It's so beautiful that God would choose to embrace our humanity to save us. Christmas is worth celebrating. Christmas is worth taking some time out of our year to say, Jesus, you came. You said you would come and you did it. And you didn't just come to be a cute baby. You came to be a risen king. We know exactly what Jesus did in his life. 
from that moment, I love the fact that scripture doesn't even give us a second to appreciate his birth before talking about what he would do. As a mom, if I were writing the Bible, I would talk a lot more about the birth of Jesus than the Bible does. It would be like Matthew, Mark, birth, John. That's how my Bible would probably go. But the Bible just gives us a snippet of when Jesus was born and then immediately talks about who he is and what he'll do. In the prophecies about him in Isaiah, it says, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Matthew 1, the angel is speaking to Joseph, saying, you should marry Mary. Mary, Mary. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because... What she has conceived is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and then immediately says, because he will save people from their sins. Jesus came for a reason. And in this time in human history, we entered into this third period, this third phase. We went from perfect relationship with God, for longing for a Savior, to Jesus being here. And that period lasted through his death and resurrection and ascension up to heaven. And then we switched into another stage of human history. It's the one that we stay in today. We are in our second period of longing and waiting for Christ to come. It's interesting because I so look at the Israelites before Jesus came, looking for a Messiah, and I identify with them. I know what it's like to have chaos in my world, don't you? It's like we walk out our, outside of our homes, we log on our, onto our computers, and it's just tension is in the air all of the time. We wonder when God is going to change things. We wonder when thing, if things will stay the same. And because of what Jesus said, you know, Jesus said he was coming back. He said it over and over again. This morning we'll just read from, um, from John chapter 14, but Jesus said he was coming back. When Jesus was here on the earth, he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus was saying, I'm going going to go up to heaven, and then I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back. And if you want to find the way to the Father, I am the way. You don't have to look any further. Church, Jesus is coming back. And much like the Israelites, we know that he's coming because we have his promises in Scripture, because there's signs in the sky, and because there's testimony in our hearts. And so in this time, we still have our restlessness, we still have our anxiety, but we don't have to wonder what it's all about. I may get frazzled and overwhelmed because my hair is wet and my shoes are soaked when I'm getting my kids in the van, but do you know that all of my underlying anxiety is just waiting for Jesus? Do you know that every one of your worries and your hurts, it's never going to be fulfilled by that magic thing. It's going to be fulfilled by the Prince of Peace himself. Holy Spirit is our counselor, our comforter. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords. He is our Savior. And until we see Jesus face to face, 
we're never going to be totally at peace. We can come into his presence and experience moments of seeing what it may be like, but church, we're waiting for Jesus to come back. And when you face these crazy moments, maybe it's in Christmas or another time, when you think the world is falling apart and you don't understand why God would allow something to happen and you just always have this underlying longing and searching what's going to satisfy me, I can tell you, church, you can remember that Jesus said he would come the first time and he did. He says he's going to come the second time and he will. Amen? We serve a good, a faithful God. And of course, when Jesus does come back, heaven and earth are one and we're transformed into our new bodies, we're going to be in the fifth phase of humanity's relationship with God, which is the return to Jesus, the risen king. He is so good. Now this morning, we're, this is a very short sermon because we have the opportunity to go out into the mezzanine and uh, we get to wrap some Christmas gifts. Many of you saw it coming out there. Maybe you even are like double dipping. You really like the Christmas wrapping, so you're here before, you'll be here after. But we get to wrap these gifts to give to families in our community who need some extra Christmas gifts at Christmas time. That's a wonderful thing. We're excited about that. And sometimes it can feel like a little thing, wrapping gifts or buying gifts or whatever it might be. But church, I believe that it is part of a chain reaction. Your, this moment, this moment is so important because I believe that in the, in the spirit, we have the opportunity to claim South Tacoma for Jesus, to pour into these families' lives. What we do is not just little. It's a big, big thing. And so as we go out, I encourage you, would you do it with intention? If you're someone that loves to wrap gifts, do that. If you are like gift wrapping challenged, I'm not looking at anyone in my family right now, but my sister's sitting in the front row. Um, if you're gift wrapping challenged, there's also the opportunity to write cards. I'm going to get a lot of flack for that. I love you, sis. Um, there's an opportunity to write cards to give to those families as well. And that's at the um, kind of at the old info center, the hospitality center now. You have the opportunity to just be together and pour into their lives of the people around us. But can we pray over these gifts and over these cards as we wrap them and as we give them? So we're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you some instructions for going out. So Lord, we thank you for today. We pray, Lord, that we would understand your birth in a way that we never have before. Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back soon. Jesus, come back right now. We're not...